Good morning and happy Thursday, March 16th. I'm Adam Wright. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. It is a great day to be with you today, and we've got a lot we're going to get to on the show, a pretty full schedule. So let's get to it in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your sacred heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, today on the show, we're going to be talking with Marcel Lejeune about evangelization. Marcel was recently in St. Louis for a conference. It was great to have some time to speak with him. And then we're going to revisit an interview we did last year about St. Joseph with his celebration coming up this weekend. It'd be good to talk a little bit about so great a saint. So that's all ahead on the show. But before we can get to any of that, we go now to Mike Roberts. Today is the feast day of Saints Hilarius and Tatian, who were martyrs. Born in Italy in the third century, Hilarius was the second bishop of Aquileia. And this was during the persecution of the Roman Emperor Numerian. Hilarius had been praying for the conversion of those in his diocese and specifically that they would leave behind the worship of pagan gods. His prayers were powerful, so powerful, in fact, that the temples the Romans had erected for these pagan gods collapsed. In a rage, Numerian had Hilarius and his decantation arrested, condemned, and put to death. Saints Hilarius and Tatian, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Those of you who were at the Catholic Men for Christ conference a few weeks back here in St. Louis know the name of our next guest, Marcel Lejeune. Marcel gave uh, two wonderful talks on what it means to evangelize. And Marcel, it's so great to speak with you again. Yeah, Adam, good to talk to you as well. All right, so we are talking about evangelization today, and I think for the longest time, many of us have probably written off our responsibility saying, well, that's something that Father does, that's something that uh, you know the deacon does or the pastoral staff does. My job is to go to Mass and uh, take my kids to Mass, get my family there, and then go on with the rest of my week. Uh, that, that is my part in the role of evangelization. But what does it really look like for you and I and the other members of the laity? Yeah, I think first thing we got to do is we got to understand that by our baptism and our confirmation, God has done something absolutely remarkable in our lives. And and the thing that he's done is he's poured his very life in us. St. Paul says that, you know, we are now ambassadors for Christ. Um, and the church has always taught that the lay have a special role of bringing the gospel to the world in everyday circumstances. So, it doesn't have to be some big planned out project. In fact, when we start to get into like the program of evangelization or the the event of evangelization, what we've ended up doing is actually uh, compartmentalized a portion of our lives that we do up at church or we do when, you know, at this particular time when we run the program. And that's not what evangelization is supposed to be. Evangelization is supposed to be a Christian disciple who is deeply in love with God, 
who believes that Jesus Christ is the way of salvation for the world and wants to share that with them from moment to moment. It's a lifestyle. It's something that is born out of a deep relationship with God. It's something that we can't help but do. And the problem is that, unfortunately, in modern Catholic understanding of evangelization, we've reduced it. We've got this reductionist understanding that it's this time and this place and this way, and that's just not what it's meant to be. If you look at the lives of the great evangelists, they couldn't help but live out the gospel message and speak about it. They couldn't help it, and that's what we're supposed to be doing as well. And and until we have a return to Catholic laity who are taking hold of this lifestyle of preaching the gospel with their lives and their words, we're certainly going to still have some of the issues of decline in the church. Indeed. I, I remember vividly you saying in your, your talk that a lot of us think evangelization are the uh, the unofficial four pillars of our Catholic faith, the sacraments. That is actually one of the official pillars, but the other three yes. unofficial, uh, you know, we have the sacraments and then classes, programs, and events. And, you know, that's where the evangelization happens. And I, I sometimes think that before we can even have an impact by bringing someone to the sacraments, we have to give them that evangelical primer of here, let's, let's talk about our faith and we can't just leave that to classes, programs, and events. Yeah, and this is the issue, is that, uh, unfortunately, because we have those things that we do, um, the parish is no longer the center of culture within our cities, in our towns. It's no longer the center of life for most Catholics. Yeah, there are some people who hang out up there all the time. They're doing so much church stuff, they don't have time for people that don't go to church. And the people who don't go to church all the time aren't equipped necessarily to go and live their faith out in the world. So this is the the two sides of, a, of the coin that are causing us problems in the church. We have to acknowledge the limitations of Catholic culture right now. And Catholic culture is not set up to equip disciples for this. So what, what do we do then? I mean, what, what's the, well, the solution is that, you know, you and I and, and those around us, we need to be deeply investing in one another. We need to be challenging one another. We need to be living life together. We need to be walking together. We need to pray together. And we're going to have to learn from those who are probably better than us at evangelization what it looks like so that we can start to see it modeled because we just don't have a lot of models of what it really takes to evangelize this world. And a model of evangelization is not the guy on the street corner. It's not necessarily the person doing the door-to-door -door stuff. Those are extraordinary means of evangelization. And we don't want to fall into this trap of thinking the extraordinary way of evangelization is the way to evangelize, right? Um, online evangelization is a safe, cozy little thing where I can carve out a niche and have conversations in, you know, with people who want to talk about religion. But most people online, it's either toxic or they want nothing to do with it, you know? Um, so that's not the place. So what does it look like? Well, it looks like, okay, I've got coworkers, neighbors, friends, um, folks that I meet around. My kids play sports. What about the parents of those kids, other kids? You know, those kind of folks that are around that we, we just spend time with and start to engage them and get to know them and show an interest in them and start to have conversations that matter, ask them deep questions. And show an interest in those, uh, you, an authentic thing, not as a project, an authentic interest in those people, so that we can have the right to have a spiritual conversation of meaning, so that we can talk about existential things that matter. And people are saying, well, man, I don't know how to do that. Well, 
we just don't get pushy. We don't get in somebody's face. You know, we're actually approachable people and we're not weirdos who are all up in people's grill or have big opinions about politics. Or if you don't have this devotion in Catholicism, then, you know, you're not a real authentic Catholic. That stuff turns people off. What people want to be around is, you know, especially, and I'll talk to the guys for a minute, what people want to be around is an authentic guy who's fun to be around, who's interesting, and who actually cares. Uh, I mean, it's, don't overthink it. And for women, it's not too far different. It's just feminine women want feminine women around them, and masculine men want masculine men around them. But we also want authenticity, and we don't want to be competing against one another. And We want to have people who are interested in me, not just, you know, what they get out of me, those kind of things. So be that person, right? If you know what you want to be, and you know what kind of friend you want, be that kind of friend. And you're saying, well, I don't have a lot of friends, or I don't have a lot of... Yes, you do. I mean, goodness gracious, these folks are right around us all the time. I mean, they are there. I dare you to, to pray this prayer. For those people who are listening right now and you say, oh, I don't know about that. I dare you then to pray this prayer. This is a dangerous prayer because God's going to answer it. God, open my eyes to see the opportunities to evangelize today. Keep praying that on a day-to-day -day basis. God, give me the eyes to see the opportunities to evangelize today. Guess what God's going to do, Adam? He's going to give you the eyes to see the opportunities oh, to evangelize yeah, today. And then the question is, do I do it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> now you're I just raising it? the stakes here. Mm-hmm. We got to overcome our own stuff, our own insufficiencies, our own problems, and say, you know what? I'm going to get out of the way. Let God work through me. He can work through us. I do want to thank you for taking the time to be with us on Roadmap to Heaven and for all of the work you're doing out there in the church and the message you have for us men. And we are going to take a break, everyone, but don't go away. There's more of the program after this. Memorare to St. Joseph. Remember, O most chaste spouse of the Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who implored your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Full of confidence in your power, I fly unto you and beg your protection. Despise not, O foster father of the Redeemer, my humble supplication, but in your bounty, hear and answer me. Amen. You know, I had to laugh because I... I have to laugh. Every uh, day this week, I've been talking about St. Patrick's Day, and today I decided that on the show, we were going to actually look forward to the Solemnity of St. Joseph, which we celebrate the uh, observance next Monday because the Solemnity falls on the same day as the fourth Sunday of Lent. And, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to do anything Irish today. I'm not going to play any Irish music. I'm not, I'm not going to even talk about St. Patrick. And they were making some modifications in the studio. And now the little light that comes on uh, when I go on the air, instead of being red, it's green. And I thought, I just can't get away. I can't get away from it today. But that's all right. I don't want to get away from it. But that said, we are going to step away from St. Patrick and talk about St. Joseph. Last year, uh, Father Don Calloway came to St. Louis for the St. Louis Marian Conference, which, by the way, by the way, registrations are going on for this year's conference. Now, he's not coming this year, but there's some great speakers like Father Bill Casey, Father Mitch Paqua, Dr. Ray Garendi, Patty Schneier, Monsignor Morris. Uh, there's more. You know, um, you have to check it out, stlmc.org, St. Louis Marian Conference, stlmc.org. But anyway, last year, Father Calloway came to the St. Louis Marian Conference, and I had to sit down. I had the opportunity to sit down with him and talk about St. Joseph. And I thought in preparation for St. Joseph's uh, Day, let's go back in the Wayback Machine and visit that interview again. 
I'm still going to be giddy because right now I have the opportunity to sit down with Father Donald Calloway, one of the best uh, writers and speakers on the Blessed Mother, the Rosary, and St. Joseph. Father Calloway is a Marian father of the Immaculate Conception, and it's so good to actually meet you and, and be with you in person, Father. Thanks. I appreciate that. Great job on the title for my community. A lot of people mess that up. <laughs> well, we, we do what we can, right? You know, uh, so Father... You gave a talk on St. Joseph earlier today. Tonight you're going to be talking about the rosary as the sword, and that's one of my favorite things that you talk about. But, you know, I think it's somewhat easy to forget St. Joseph. And we had the year of St. Joseph, and that was wonderful in your book, The Consecration to St. Joseph, came out. But then the year of St. Joseph ended, and, you know, good old St. Joseph sometimes gets left in, in the back of the Holy Family. Um, as I look around at the world, and, and we've been talking a lot about this this week um, as we talk about pro-life issues, but just the state of culture in the United States right now and the world, why is St. Joseph's intercession so important? Well, I think, you know, right now we've got a disordered house, if you will, in the world, um, both literally in homes, but even in the church, things are a mess at the moment. I mean, there, there's real chaos. And when that happens, you need to call in dad. You need to get the father in there and to restore some order, to bring about some rules, and to um, let people know they're loved and all of that. Yes, of course. But dad is the one who kind of puts things back in shape, writes the ship, so to speak. And I think that that's why the Holy Trinity is giving to us St. Joseph right now, kind of more than any other era in human history. There's a real emphasis right now being placed on him. And I think that uh, we need to listen to that. Yeah. We talk about this often on our uh, Friday roundtable, because once a month we try to pray the litany to St. Joseph as nice. our opening prayer for the show. And my friend Gabe Jones and I often talk about those titles of St. Joseph. Mm. And, and if we could aspire to any of them, with my luck, it would be, you know, doer of the dishes or changer of the laundry. <laughs> and, and he's the terror of demons. <laughs> the demons fear him while he sleeps, the protector of the church. But that's a very important one, protector of the church. And, yeah. I, and I want to say it was you that highlighted this for me for the first time, that when we think about the flight to Egypt, quite literally, St. Joseph is protecting our Lord yep. and the Blessed Mother. And so it's not an, an incredibly ridiculous thought to say, St. Joseph, we need you to protect the church right now. Yeah. Oh, no, big time, without a doubt. And I think, you know, I think it was St. Anselm who said that when... Joseph said his yes to God's plan, he began to carry all of us on his back. Um, that's amazing because, you know, we are brothers and sisters of Jesus, and so we're spiritual children of St. Joseph. And right now, in the times in which we live, where the church is just being bombarded with attacks from the world and sadly even within, man, we need St. Joseph right now. Because just like he protected Jesus from Herod, right, in that flight to Egypt, well, today we've got a ton of Herods, really and truly. They want to see the Catholic Church destroyed, the mystical body of Christ destroyed, the brothers and sisters of Jesus destroyed. That's us. So if Jesus took refuge and shelter in the protection of St. Joseph, well, we need to do that too. All right, so let's talk about the practical application of this mm. for a minute, because if we were talking about the Blessed Mother right now, obviously the first thing we would say is pray your rosary daily. Yeah, and, yeah. and by the way, listeners... Pray your rosary <laughs> yes. daily, right, Father? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so with St. Joseph, I, I know you've written a wonderful book, The Consecration to St. Joseph, and that's something that you can do every year. You pick a, a feast day relative to St. Joseph. Um, 
But what about in the daily? You know, we, we mm-hmm. don't have the rosary of St. Joseph. What right. can we do to invoke St. Joseph daily? Right. One thing you already mentioned, which I do daily, is the litany of St. Joseph. That's where you get his official titles approved by the church, and you get some powerful ones. I mean, he's the glory of domestic life, pillar of families, guardian of virgins. I mean, think about that. I mean, we live in this filthy, perverse, pornographic era. Uh, Do we not need a man so chaste and humble and pure like St. Joseph? Sure. Men are being attacked, especially with this threat against their manhood. Um, So daily, you can do the litany. Um, Wednesdays, weekly, is are days where we honor St. Joseph. So you can do something special on that. You could go to Mass that day. Um, You could uh, buy a statue in your home, buy a lily that day for the statue, or or light a candle or something. Um, Also, you know, a lot of people don't make the connection between the Rosary and St. Joseph, but there actually is one. You know, the joyful mysteries of the Rosary, which we typically pray twice a week, if you follow the cycle of praying the Rosary mysteries, um, those mysteries are Joseph mysteries. He's in all five of those joyful mysteries. So you can incorporate him into that. Um, and then you can be, you can be creative um, with other things as well. Um, you can, you know, there's the, the, the sorrows of St. Joseph devotion, which I've mentioned in my book, and you can find out more on the internet. Um, simple things like that, you know, to, to keep the love going, to don't let it die. The, the year of St. Joseph is over, but not the era of St. Joseph. That's a good way to put it. Now, one of my favorite things that I've learned about St. Joseph and about the Blessed Mother, the more I've, I've delved into this, is that there's a great progression. If you have devotion to St. Joseph, then very naturally mm. you're going to have devotion to the Blessed Mother. And if you have devotion to the Blessed Mother, then you cannot help but right. have devotion to our Lord, her right. son, which is the ultimate goal of all of this. Yeah, and that's isn't that how a family works? I mean, if you get to know... Uh, somebody, and you become friends with him, he's going to introduce you to his wife, and then you're going to find out about their, their children, right? Well, with the Holy Family, Joseph is going to introduce you to his wife, beautiful, lovely, immaculate virgin mother of God, and he's going to bring you to Jesus. They are going to bring you to Jesus. Um, and that, that's just how a family works. You know, you, you think about that. I mean, a lot of people just say, well, it's just me and Jesus. Okay, on one level, okay, there's some truth to that. But Christianity is a family, and we, we're being invited in, in to be members of the Holy Family uh, while we're here on earth so that we can get into the family of the Trinity up in heaven. Take advantage of it. Don't let it pass you by. All right. Now, this is going to be the last question, but I want to preface it saying it this way. Men, pay attention. And, and wives, if your men aren't paying attention, if your husbands aren't paying attention, be sure to go to the Roadmap to Heaven podcast and pull this up and play it for them, because we live in an era where masculinity is under attack, and, and, and probably right now more than ever in the history of humanity. Mm. And I'm not going to be as eloquent as St. Paul, but when I look at what I should do and, and what I am doing, there's a real disconnect there sometimes. And as a husband and as a father, and I think back to this past Mother's Day, some comments were made to my wife uh, by those close to us that I should have stood up and said, you will not talk to my wife in that manner. You will not disrespect her, and you will not lead my family on a path away from holiness. But that's not always easy to do. So, Father, for the men listening, or for the men whose wives are now going to take the podcast <laughs> to them, what what would you say? How can they get started? Because I think deep down in all of us, we know. We, we want to be yeah. uh, William Wallace and Braveheart. Right, but right. How do we get started with that? Sure. No, there is the practicality to it, right? So, yeah, 
I mean, I hate to plug my own stuff, but I wrote the formula for I got the book for you to do, you know. So um, we need to imitate St. Joseph. And how do you do that? You get to know him because you, you can't love what you don't know. You can't imitate what you're not aware of. So that's why in this book, this program, a 33-day program, you come to know him in his virtues. And that's what we need to replicate in ourselves. All children are called to be like their parents. Well, we are spiritual children of Our Lady and St. Joseph, so let's imitate their virtue. So that's what all Marian consecration is about. That's what this consecration to St. Joseph is about. So I encourage the men. Um, you know in your heart and your soul that something is not right in the world. You feel the attacks. You know that the world wants to emasculate you, wants to strip you of your manhood and call it toxic whenever you do something that's you know, traditionally manly. Enough of that nonsense. It's time to go back to the basics, and St. Joseph will be the model for you to do this. As great as sports figures are or you're the best musician that you love, fine. But they will fail you. St. Joseph will not fail you. He will show you the way uh, because his son is the way, the truth, and the life. So do this consecration program. It will make you a better man, a better husband, and a better father. The Consecration to St. Joseph, I know it's available pretty much in every Catholic bookstore I've ever been to, but it's also on the Marian Fathers website. So where can our listeners go if they just want to go straight to your website and find that? Yeah, we actually designed a website just for it. So it's consecrationtostjoseph.org. So super simple. Consecrationtostjoseph.org. You can get it even in an ebook or audio book. You know, a lot of people like those these days. Yeah, it's available in all those formats. All right. Well, Father Calloway, I cannot thank you enough for being with us. This has surely been a pleasure. Could I ask you to lead us in a prayer through St. Joseph's intercession? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this era of St. Joseph, bringing him to our attention and into our hearts. Help us to imitate him. Help us to be like him. Help my brothers in particular to be the men that God is calling them to be, to be like Jesus, to be like St. Joseph. We ask this blessing to Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. A Prayer to Redeem Lost Time by St. Teresa of Avila O my God, source of all mercy, I acknowledge your sovereign power. While recalling the wasted years that are past, I believe that you, Lord, can in an instant turn this loss to gain. Miserable as I am, yet I firmly believe that you can do all things. Please restore to me the time lost, giving me your grace, both now and in the future, that I may appear before you in wedding garments. Amen. Catechiz question for us this morning, speaking of St. Joseph, why? Well, actually, here, let's make this the question. Where does the tradition of the St. Joseph's Day table come from? Perhaps you've seen one decorated with fruits and breads, especially, uh, where does that tradition come from? Well, it is uh, a Sicilian tradition that brings us. But, I mean, we all, I think, in our parishes have seen this. That they'll put out a notice, bring your loaf of bread. There will be blessed bread distributed. I know that happens at a few parishes around us here at the station. Now, part of this, this is a little interesting article I found on the National Catholic Register's website uh, from 2020 by Kevin D. Camillo. Um, in Italy... March 19th, in addition to being St. Joseph's Day, is also Father's Day, right? And so, there. It, it, and as the author says, it's not surprising at all, as St. Joseph was, of course, the foster father of Jesus. So, uh, it was a feast and a festival, but it also falls in the midst of Lent. And uh, 
So as part of that, one of the reasons you have bread at the table and a lot of options like that is because it's in the season of Lent. No meat, you know, and, and simple things, right? But in addition to that, I always thought, it well, it was just bread. You know, you bless some bread for St. Joseph's Day. Father blesses some bread. No, there's different shapes of bread that are traditionally made. So there's the Latin cross, the ultimate symbol of our Lord's suffering and salvation, the Bambino, the baby Jesus, St. Joseph's staff, St. Joseph's purse, a reminder, which is a reminder to give alms to the poor. A sheaf of wheat, St. Joseph himself represented uh, in in the shape of the bread. St. Joseph's beard, uh, actually just a sheaf of wheat turned upside down, but the young children delight when their fathers and grandfathers hold their beard up to their face. It is another reminder of Joseph's wisdom and age, the heart, and then the crown of thorns. So, uh, you know, maybe this weekend... You're going to have some family time. You're going to say, I need to do an activity with the kids. I mean, I've mentioned a couple times this week, our kids are on spring break. Yesterday, we went bowling with the little girls, and that was fun, and it was exciting, and I really enjoyed it. But maybe we want to do something over the course of the weekend. Well, my wife loves fresh baked bread. The kids love fresh baked bread. Maybe we could try and make some bread in the shapes that we just heard about. The cross or the staff, the purse, the sheaf of wheat, St. Joseph's beard. The girls would get a kick out of that one if I had a a beard of bread for them. And uh, it, it could just be, you know, again, those things that bring us together don't have to be extravagant. They can be incredibly simple. It's about the being together And what a great way to grow in some of our faith traditions. Let's get you one more check of the weather here and then the daily dose of encouragement, and then we'll wrap up. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. Act of Consecration to St. Joseph. O dearest St. Joseph, I consecrate myself to your honor and give myself to you, that you may always be my father, my protector, and my guide in the way of salvation. Obtain for me a greater purity of heart and fervent love of the interior life. After your example, may I do all my actions for the greater glory of God, in union with the divine heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary. O blessed St. Joseph, pray for me that I may share in the peace and joy of your holy death. Amen. We pause on this Thursday for our daily dose of encouragement with Patty Schneier, and we are talking about the Beatitudes. Tuesday was merciful, yesterday was pure, today is peacemakers. And Patty, I have a feeling we're not going to be talking about the peacemakers in those old Western movies today. (laughs) No, we're talking about the peacemakers uh, of God, actually. And Father Jacques Philippe has been giving me these reflections. All these reflections really are not my own. I'm telling you, I'm just sharing with you what I'm learning. And to me, these were new insights about even the meaning of these Beatitudes. And I just wanted to share them. So here comes the next one. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called children of God. And Father Jacques Philippe said this, this is the seventh beatitude. Seven is the biblical number of perfection. And he said, if we live the first six, so actually let's now review, if we are poor in spirit, if we welcome trials and are comforted by God, if we are meek and humble, if we hunger and thirst for justice, if we are merciful, and if we know how to forgive, if we love with a pure heart, then we will find peace in our hearts. 
It's a natural reaction. So then as St. Paul says, the God of peace will be with you. So think about Jesus and, and his words. The meaning of this beatitude is to just welcome the peace that Jesus promised us. Remember he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. So it's part of the Christian calling to communicate to those around us, not anxiety, restlessness, turmoil, or fear, but to communicate peace, trust, and hope. That's who we are when we when we are peacemaker. We're just communicating to other people when they might be really, really upset or screaming or yelling or just all upset, fearful about something. When we can calm someone down, when we can talk to them truth about God, when we can be gentle and listen and we can help them trust more or give them hope, that's when we are being true peacemakers. We're giving them the peace of Jesus Christ that is within us and we're sharing it with others. So right now today... Think about that. Where can you do that in your life today? It might be at work. It might be with your children. It might be with your spouse. How can we communicate trust, hope, and peace to someone who's anxious, afraid, or troubled? And that's how we can be a peacemaker in our everyday lives. I thought this was just beautiful. Again, it's the seventh beatitude. And if we live all the first sixth, then we'll have that peace of Christ in our hearts and we'll be able to do this, communicate it to others in the world. That sounds like a formula for success if ever I heard one, Patty, and this is a great encouragement for us on this Thursday. Well, as we wrap up today, I uh, wanted to share a little story with you. Yesterday, I took some time off from the office to go spend some time with my kids who have been home all week on spring break, and they've been having all sorts of adventures. And our oldest two went off with my in-laws to go see their cousins and go on some adventure and that left beth and i with the three youngest and we decided let's take them bowling only one of them has ever been bowling before and it's something that beth and i love to do and haven't really been able to do because of the ages of our kids but now they're old enough well in the midst of this you know it's first off entertaining to go bowling with a five-year-old a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old in and of itself that that it is worth the price of admission but we had the bumpers and then we had a ramp that they could roll the ball down they didn't have to go with a normal bowling motion and especially helpful for the five-year-old and it just brought such joy to our faces but the oldest of the three she decided she wanted to really try she, want, she didn't want to use the ramp. She wanted to try and swing her arm back and then roll the ball forward. And she did that a couple times. It, it wasn't working out too well. We've got to go over some mechanics there. But then she, you know, she went with the set the ball down in between her legs and then scoop it forward and uh, knock down several pins that way. And then after a couple of frames of that, stood back up and then tried going back to what she saw mom and dad doing and how she saw mom and dad bowling. And at the end of the game, we only played one game. It took us an hour for five of us to roll 10 frames of bowling, right? She was very discouraged. And she said, Dad, I didn't do well today. And I said, well, first off, you know, let's not look at the score for a moment. Because this was not a game. This was a practice. This was learning. Uh, this wasn't a competition today. You put yourself out there and you tried new things and you didn't give up and you kept going. 
That takes a lot of courage. That takes a lot of gumption. And I was thinking about that later in the afternoon. You know, why why is it so easy for me to say these things to her, but not to myself in life sometimes? I get really discouraged by some, you know, I, I try something new for the first time. It doesn't go well. And then I get all discouraged. Oh, I'm terrible at that. Well, yeah, you've never done it before. So it was a good reminder for me to... Uh, Listen to those words I was telling my daughter. But I got to tell you, you want some entertainment, take a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a nine-year-old bowling. I'd be happy to go with you, too. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thank you for being with us this morning. Be sure to check out the podcast version of the show wherever you get your podcast. And until next time, remember what the Blessed Mother and her most chaste spouse, St. Joseph, would tell us. Pray your rosary today.